0: movement and then on top of that on top of that you have this the rumor that we stole the body like so there like there's like all kinds of craziness going on right in these in these first couple days after the resurrection even the day of the resurrection it was a little a little little cray cray up in, the, up, in the, up in that place and but we 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 like we understand that part, but maybe sometimes the thing that we don't think about is the hope and the the hope that was buried with Jesus right here you go, you have these 12 guys who were who who were was expecting a glorious king, but instead they got a crucified one. Right? They had been taught in the synagogue all their life, we're gonna have this ruling and reigning king, and the person that they thought was their redeemer, thought that there was their messiah, thought that he was the king of the world, was just crucified and buried and sealed in a tomb along with their dreams and hopes and visions for their future. And now the body's the body's not there. Jesus isn't there and but excitement started to stir. Right? Excitement started to stir. Jesus Jesus started to appear to individuals and groups of people, and uh the, the 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 word started getting out that the man who they had murdered is now alive again. And so so I thought we would look at the breaking news surrounding Jesus' resurrection, right? Over the next couple of weeks before we get in our study of John and and if we were going to title the first article in our newspaper that was written about it, it, would be it would be this: "Amazed in Emmaus, amazed in Emmaus." And to kind of set this story up, you have to understand Jesus has risen from the dead. So the claim says, and and a few women who uh, came proclaiming that they saw angels who told them that, or asked them the question, "Why are you looking?" Um, for the living among the dead. For Jesus is not here, he is risen. And they ran back. The first people to carry the message or the sermon of the gospel were two women to a bunch of men, right? How unbelievable in the first century was that when women weren't even allowed to vote, they weren't allowed to teach, they weren't allowed to do anything. It was women who Jesus used to go share the message. Hey, he's risen from the dead and the disciples didn't believe him. Why? Because of the culture, they didn't believe the testimony of a woman. And so what did they do? They ran back to the tomb and I love how like, um, uh, P- uh, Peter is often described as uh, well. John is often described as the one that Jesus loves, right? I mean, if you read the book of John, that we'll, we'll look at here in a couple, we're going to look at in a couple weeks, he'll, he'll never mention his own name. He'll always just say the disciple, the one Jesus loved, right? That's a little like. a little arrogant (laughs) you know what i'm saying because doesn't he love all of us well of course but i'm the disciple jesus loves what says in in his in his account that he goes the disciple that jesus loved beat peter like it was like it was like competition who can get to the tomb first but he stopped at the tomb and 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 peter went in and, and then and then john followed and and they came back and told everybody else, "Hey, it's true. His body's not there. We don't know what's happening." Blah blah blah. Like we don't like. Maybe the women are telling the truth. We don't know. It says some doubted, some believed. Like it was this craziness. But there was two guys who did who were struggling to to believe, right? And this is where we're going. This is where we're going to pick up the story in Luke twenty four. You can go ahead and turn the lights all the way up if you want to. Um. It says this in verse 13. It says, that very day, which day? The day of the resurrection. Like not even giving it a chance. This is what happened. The very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, and about, it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. I'm going to pause right here just for a second. We have somebody new working the computer, so I'm going to kind of give them some hints today. We're going to pause right here just for a minute. I just want to clarify a couple of things in this first verse, the first verse that we're reading today. Several years ago, I was watching watching a Natural Geographic or the or Discovery Channel, and one of the theories, out of all the craziness the world that the world says that we believe as as believers in Jesus, out of all everything that you think's crazy, one of the Discovery Channel theories is that Jesus really didn't die on the cross. That after that after he was nailed in the hands and the feet, pierced in his side. That he was gonna to make, to make this seven mile jaunt to Emmaus, like he would just wake up one day, and say, like, have you ever broken a toe and tried to walk like, you, like your hips weren't exploding? Like, so for all the craziness that is that you you all say that we believe as the followers of Jesus, that's right up there with some of the dumbest things you can believe. You know what I'm saying? And that was a Discovery Channel, y'all. Like, you know, it's truth. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's about as good as finding all your news on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? That very day, two of them, we're going to go back, go back. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles, seven miles, Jesus walking with stuff from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other, with each other, about all the things that had just happened. So they're talking about the crucifixion. They're talking about the, talking about the women coming to the tomb and seeing that the Jesus, Jesus wasn't in there and the disciples running back. That's what they're talking about. They were talking about all these things that had just happened. Did we, just, did we just follow this man for three years, and here we are walking back home, right? While, so while they were talking and discussing together, together, Jesus himself threw near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And I want to pause here just for, for a moment. And I, want, like, I wonder how many of us do not see the resurrection that's right in front of us. Here's the man that they had just followed for three and a half, almost four years, and they and they were kept from seeing. I wonder sometimes if we miss out on the resurrection that's happening around us because our eyes are shut and we don't see what's going on around us. Like we don't know, we don't even know what the, this Jesus that we that we say we follow. We don't even really know him. You with me? But oftentimes we, the reason that we miss resurrection is we look for resurrection often in the dramatic but it's often in the mundane. We often look for resurrection in the dramatic, in the, in the blaring music, and the, like the, the hot, like on the mountaintop experience, but it's often in the mundane, like a walk down the street or while you're doing dishes or, fi- or, or, or fixing your family dinner or that drive from, from your home to work and back, and back home again. It's often in, in rolling around in the floor with your kids where you see the love of Christ and resurrection life all around you. It's not always in the dramatic. It's often in the mundane that the resurrection power that's in you is, is at work. Like a walk down the road, or an ordin- it's in the ordinary that resurrection flows. And maybe the question we should start asking ourselves is, what's keeping me from recognizing the presence of resurrection that's around me? What is distracting me? And if it's distracting you, get rid of it. Read of it. Verse 24. Well, chapter 24, verse 17 says, says this. And he said to them, what is the conversation that you're holding with each other? I love, I'm going to pause here for a second. I love this exchange. You'll see why here in a minute. And he said to them, what is the conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Why? Because all their hopes and their dreams of what this Messiah was going to be are buried and sealed. And now what even is buried and sealed is missing. They're looking sad, then one of them named Cleopas. Cleopas answered him, saying, "Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these last days? Like, are you like are you, like have you been like have you not watched the news? Whoever, whatever your name is, right?" And he said to them, "I love this. What things? Like he's just catting with them. Like, <laughs> like, what, like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you, what are you talking about? I don't. I, don't, I, I guess not. Right?" What things, and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we had hoped so he was, and now we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, yes, and besides all all this. It is now the third day since these things have happened. Going on. Moreover, some women of our, of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they did not find his body, they came back saying, saying that, they had even, that, that they had even seen a vision of angels who, who said that he was alive. And some of those who were, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said. Women had said, but him they did not see. And here's what I'm wondering: I wonder how many of us use the "He was" and "has been" and all that in referring to Jesus instead of talking about like here they are talking to the Creator, the Great One, the the One that is over all. And he, he's saying He was this, He was. This. I wonder how many "was" is in our in our conversations when hard times hit, when our hopes seem to be dashed. Well, God, I thought You were this. They were literally talking to the one who created life about what was supposed to work and how it was supposed to work. But now they're disheartened. Their hopes are gone. Dreams are gone. Questioning, did we just follow somebody for three and a half years that was not who he claimed to be? Or maybe they're asking the question, did they just kill the one that could redeem us? But here's the most astonishing thing in this is that in the midst of their heartache and their pain and their anguish about what had just happened, guess what Jesus did? He listened. He listened. Jesus cares about our our heartache, our burdens, and our doubts. Like I love, like just just to think that here they are, like. If I was Jesus, I'd, there'd be this like little tingle in me going, "Oh, you you guys don't even see what's right in front of you." The very thing that you hoped for is here. Maybe, maybe the reason that we need to stop saying the "was" or "he has been" and the "I wish he would've" is maybe God has something like, like I can imagine you say "There's something so much better than a king that sits on an earthly throne." I wonder if what we're looking for and what our hopes are in is in the wrong thing. I wonder, if, I wonder if we should start believing a little differently. But even in our hopes that are dashed, even in our, our heartache, even in our burdens, we have a God who will listen to us. Like he hears us when we cry, and when we complain, and when we doubt, and when we question. Like he listens to us. That's why I love Psalms 34, 18, when he says, the Lord is close. To those whose hearts are crushed by pain. Your heart's hurting, guess what? He's right there. He's wanting to resurrect that hope and make it something bigger and more, like better than you can ever dream or imagine it to be. He does know about your hurt and your loneliness and your doubts and your pain. And the second thing is this that I see from this is that. Jesus is literally, out of everybody he could have met with, taking time to meet with two of his followers who are walking away. Like, that's astounding. Because, like, for me, I'd be like, oh, you're leaving? Cool, 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 I'll go to somebody else who cares. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus literally took time out of meeting with everybody that he could, because I would have showed up in front of Pilate, I would have shown up in front of all those religious leaders that said crucify me and say, eat it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would have been like, told you so, Like, but no, he, he went to two people who were, who were so their hopes were so dashed, their hopes were so burdened that they said, you know what, I'm walking away. He took time. He took time to meet with the followers who were walking away. This is the best news ever because Jesus still pursues you in your doubt. And I want, you, I want to reiterate that. Jesus still pursued, pursues you in your doubt. He pursued you before you became a believer, and he continues to pursue you like a good husband does to his bride. <laughs> but listen to what happens next. Listen to what happens next. I love this. Verse 25. He says this. He says, and he said to them, Oh foolish ones. Everybody else feel like a fool sometimes when God's like, oh, let me tell you how to do it. like He's like, Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The things, notice how Jesus is pointing them back to scripture. Maybe the reason we miss out on what Christ is doing is because or how he works is simply the fact that we don't know him because we haven't read about him. You've listened to people like me your whole life and just listened to my words instead of digging down and seeing what God says, how God operates. Maybe the way that you've been taught God operates really isn't the way that he operates at all. There's some things that I grew up, grew up learning and uh, looking back, I go, well, God didn't, doesn't really work that way. You know what I'm saying? He, here's, the, here's the thing is we to know him, we have to know him. We have to know His Word. I like what Mike said this morning. How can you, how can you have, how can I have a relationship with my wife if I only talk to her once a week? How can you have a relationship with the Creator of the universe if you only approach Him one day a week? To have our eyes awakened to the moves of God, we have to read Scripture. To have our eyes awakened to the moves of God, we have to read Scripture so that we can see it playing out all around us. And there's a lot of thought playing around out around us now. Luke 24:28. So they drew near to the village Emmaus, of course, to which they were going, and he a- acted as if he were going to go farther, he meaning Jesus. And, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for, for it's toward evening of the day, as far as beyond his here for a second, because when Jesus is really in your life, you want him to be, stay with you and be around you. You know what I'm saying? So he went in to stay with them. When he when he was at the table, and I love I love this picture. Because the last time he broke bread with them was before he died. So when he when he was at the table with them, he looked took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And I wonder and it says here, and their eyes were open and they recognized him, and, and he vanished from, from from their sight. And I wonder just for just just for conjecture, this isn't in here, but I wonder if it's maybe in the breaking of the bread that they begin to see the wounds. When he began to bless the bread, they're like, man, this sounds oddly familiar. I'm just, that's just my curiosity. It doesn't say that in here. I'm just my curiosity. It's a picture I have in my head. These two guys sitting across from Jesus, and their eyes being opened as he turned his wrist, breaking the bread. It's that picture in my head. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and it says then they said to each other, "Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to up opened to us the scripture?" And he goes on to say and and they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, and this is the other one saying, the lord the Lord has risen indeed, and he, and he has appeared to Simon, so at some point on the, between the road, between resurrection and the Emmaus, and he, him disappearing in Emmaus, he appeared to Peter, or Simon, which is astonishing. Then they, because that, that's a whole picture of, Peter was the one who denied him, you know what I'm saying? And he goes on to say, then, then they told what had happened on the road, and how it was known to them in the breaking, breaking of the bread. And as they, were, as they were talking about these things, guess who shows up in the room? Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace. To you, Because when, when, when Christ's presence is in, is in our lives, we can live in peace. We can live in peace. No matter what the world's going on around us, no matter the craziness and the fear that you have out here, the hopes and the doubts and the fears, you can have peace in the fact that Jesus is who he says he was, and he just proved it. But why did he say peace? Well, if you knew Jewish customs, you've you seen ghosts. You're in trouble, right? You're in trouble. Cause, so go ahead and go to the next slide thing. So when Christ's presence in your life, you can live in peace. And the next verse says this: But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit or a ghost. And you're like, "Ooh!" And he said to them, "Why are you troubled? And why do you why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet. That is, I myself. Touch me and see, for for a, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as as you as you see that I have. And there's an and there's um one of the early manuscripts adds a little part in there they um and it does say like in the early manuscripts that some of the disciples did touch him, not necessarily his wounds but actually put hands on him and make sure it was oh no, he's flesh and bone y'all you know what I'm saying, but it goes on to say and while they and while they still disbelieved verse forty one and when they and when they still when they still disbelieved for joy, they were marveling, he said to them. Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. And here's why: if you're if you're a Ghostbusters fan, you know if you eat if they go eat food, it just kind of goes through them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> then he said to them, "These are my, these." They said, "Sorry." They, then he said to them, "These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you; that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms." were to be fulfilled and here's why this is important because if the old testament is not factual then you can forget the new testament if what if you can't trust the old testament you you can't believe what's written in the new testament that's why some of those denominations who erase the old testament like you can't do that like yeah, I would get. We're not bound by some of those laws anymore, and those customs and those practices. But you still got to have that to understand what's happening in the New Testament. Because if you can't trust the Old Testament as factual, then you can't. You can forget the New Testament. You can't. If you can't believe or trust what is written about the coming of Christ in the Old Covenant, then what is, what is recorded in the New Testament, can't be trusted either. <coughs> and that's hard for a pastor to say. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> but he goes on to say this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There it is again. There it is again. The scripture is important. Knowing what the Bible says, not what a pastor says, but what the Bible says to be true. is important to know if what's going on around you is from God or from our enemy. Because the enemy can give you some good things too, can't he? Can give you some stuff to make you feel good. He goes on to say, and he said to them, this is written that, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. We're going to pause here just for a second and just say this is Luke's version of the Great Commission. This is Luke's version of the Great Commission to go preach repentance. Repentance is a strong word that people are like, oh, all repentance means is you're walking in one direction and you're turning and going the other. You're walking from your wants and what you desire and the things of this world and you're turning to God and saying, I'm following you. That's all repentance is. It's saying, God, I'm choosing you, not me. I'm choosing you, not me. And here's the great news is that from repentance you're guaranteed forgiveness from repentance you're guaranteed forgiveness if we go back to the passage in psalm that we read before it continues it says the lord is close to those who are who hearts are crushed by pain and he is always ready to restore the repentant one always always and forever and he says that we can we can speak about we can, He says we can speak about these things. Like you are witnesses to these things. And it's because our story of repentance and forgiveness is all we need. It's all we need. If Jesus never does another thing for our lives, doesn't bless us with anything else, guess what? He says it is totally worth it. Our story of repentance and forgiveness is all we need. But I love this last verse when he says this. Luke 24 49 it says and I will send the fulfillment of my father's father's promise to you so stay here in the city Stay here in Jerusalem until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you and Here's why this is good news because we have this command to go be his witnesses, right? Here he is standing before the disciples be his, wit- his witnesses And here's the thing Christ doesn't give us a commandment without the power to do that command well, Derek, I don't know if I can share my repentance story. That's just not good. No, no, you can because you have the power of Christ in you. You have the Holy Spirit. It descended back in, back in Acts 2, and now you have it. You have everything you need to be a witness to things that you just experience. That's all a witness is, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's somebody who has experienced something or seen something, or, and all you're going to do is you're going to tell your side of the story. Look at what God has done in me. I was, like before Christ, I was this. Before Christ, I, I, was sh- I lived in shame before Christ. I, I, I tried to cover up that shame with other shameful things. And, I, and and it destroyed things in my life. But when I met Christ, he redeemed it all. So the very thing that, 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 that the enemy tried to destroy in me, God is using it as a light. That is what I'm a witness to. What are you a witness to? You have experienced resurrection life if you're a believer in this room. So start living like it. Start living like it. These men sitting in this room, these men and women sitting in this room, go on to change the world forever. Change the world forever. What world are you going to change? Because of what you have witnessed in resurrection And I can imagine the writer of the article, Amazed in Emmaus, in the Jerusalem News that day, would have said something to the fact of this, he would say. There's something different about this group of people. They really believe that their Messiah is risen and that he's coming back and they have a mission. Signing off. What are you living for? What's your amazed and Emmaus moment? And if you're amazed in Emmaus, rise up in the next hour and go share it. Because today is a day of salvation for somebody. And you may be the very Cleo that they need in their life maybe the very clear purpose that they need their life running saying listen to what I just experienced listen to what I've witnessed and God we want to thank you so much that you are still risen you are still reigning and that you allow us to be a part of your story God pray those in this room, for those who will be listening online at a later time, God, that you you allow them to feel the power that you've promised there. The power that gives us boldness and courage. Give us the words to say to turn those shameful things in our life, those sinful things in our life, into a testimony of your goodness. Because we couldn't fix ourselves, we couldn't fix our addictions, we couldn't fix our shame, we couldn't fix our depravity, but you did. You did on the cross, you, into the resurrection. It's dead and done because you defeated death. And we can live victoriously. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Look forward to next week. I haven't decided what article we're going to read next week yet. It's going to be a good one. Either way, right? It'll be good. Hey, love you guys. Mean it. Have a good lunch. Feed all the Methodists to the lunchroom. And have a good day. All right, just kidding. Father, lunch, okay? 对呀。